right, good morning. I feel kind of chilled today. In 23 years of preaching, I have never preached in shorts before, but the COVID 2050 has hit me, and the last couple of weeks, I've preached with my pants unbuttoned, and I just decided I couldn't do it anymore, man, so this morning, I decided to wear some fat boy shorts, and uh, it's weird. I don't feel like you can scream and holler at somebody in shorts. I feel like mainly I should be just more um, laid out on the beach, maybe with a drink in my hand. Let me turn this fan off real quick, because if I don't, it's going to uh, drive me crazy all service. My mic is going to drive you even more crazy. I just feel a little bit chilled today. That's probably good. Man, it has been a crazy three months. Somebody say amen. And I don't know how you go through these times without it affecting you somewhat. And man, I definitely feel like I have kind of hit my tipping point in it affecting me. I, I am to that point that more than normal, I hate all people. I am to the point where I don't want to hear anybody else's opinion. I'm to the point where I'm sick of trying to convince people of my opinion. I'm sick of people trying to convince me of their opinion. I'm to the point in life where I'm like, what's next? Like, it's just a crazy time in our society. And if you're not careful, and I haven't been careful in the last week or so, it can really start to affect you. It can affect your demeanor. It can affect you mentally. It it, it can affect the way you impact other people. And it's real easy to get caught up in all the negative instead of the positive. I always go back to this verse in Philippians chapter 4. I love the book of Philippians. Paul's in prison. Paul is getting ready to be crucified or, or, or killed, if you will, for his faith. And he's writing to the church at Philippi, and over and over and over, here's a man in prison about to be at the end of his life, and he's telling the church at Philippi to rejoice, to be glad, to stay positive. And then as he closes out the book of Philippians, he says, hey, let me remind you one thing. If there's anything positive, and he goes on anything virtuous, anything true, and he goes on a list about 20 adjectives for that, he, he said if there's anything good, focus on those things. It's so easy to focus on the negative, but really, if I was to be honest with you, there's a lot of positive that has happened in my life and my family's life over the last three months. Well, when you go from a life of chaos and a life of event planning and you've got events every week and, man, there's the stress of wondering what the weather's going to be, if anybody's going to show up, and you go to losing all of that, there's the initial negative of, holy smokes, I just lost my source of income. But then, you know what, as you begin to breathe and you begin to chill, there's also the positive of being like, wow, this is what it's like for life not to be so insane, This is what it's like for the first time, I'm 44 years old, the first time since I was probably 18 years old, to have a weekend. I I didn't know that people, when I heard the song, Living for the Weekend, I didn't know what that meant. Man, my weekend is where my money came from. So it's been an interesting thing, and there's a lot of positive things, and there's a lot of times of blessing, but we tend to allow the negative to overshadow the positive. And one of the positives in our life over the last little bit has been the fact that, man, as a family, we've spent more time together. Now, again, you could also spin that and say one of the negatives is, (laughs) not when it comes to my spouse, but when it comes to maybe the kids and you want to choke them to death. So we're that house that all the other kids come to. So we're never the house where any kids leave our house. We're always the house where there's 754 kids in our house. One leaves and there's four more that come in. There's kids everywhere all the time. But it's been a blessing to be able to spend time with our kids. We've hiked and we've baked a lot of cookies and a lot of brownies. And did you know that during this time I discovered that you don't have to choose between brownies or cookies, that they actually make a brownie cookie mix and you bake the brownie and the cookie together? Holy smokes. It's a gift from heaven. It's amazing. And if you haven't had that, it will change your life. Now, you probably shouldn't have it like I do and have it seven times a week. But again, it's a powerful thing. And and one of the things that we've hiked and we've baked and we've laughed, 
But one of the things that we've been doing a lot of in our house is that we've never done before, we've been playing a lot of board games. It's amazing how fun it is sitting around the table and going old school and playing games. I don't know that our kids even knew you were allowed to play games that weren't on your phone. But we've sat around and we've laughed. And as we're playing these various games, I couldn't help but think of the fact that there's so many life lessons found in a simple board game. That there's so many things that we can take and we can apply to our life. And so I thought it would be fun with all the heaviness and the seriousness that is going on in our society today just to sit back, reminisce a little bit. I'm going to talk to you, if you will, about some of my favorite games, and we're going to talk about how the Bible ties in with those games. One of the games that we've been addicted to lately at our house is the game Scrabble. Does anybody ever played Scrabble before? I know that's a hard thing in Cherokee County because it involves spelling. But anybody? Scrabble? Scrabble, if you don't know what Scrabble is, you get these little tiles. The tiles have a letter on them. You have a board, and you have to spell out words. And as you spell out a word, your opponent comes off those words, and they play another word. And each of the letters has a lot of points, and you can play it as a board game, or you can play it on your phone. I actually have it on my phone, and it's fun. I like to find random people that are not as good as me and beat them. And then I quit when people from the church start to beat me, which is every single person, basically my wife. I, I added it up this morning because I knew that I should be talking about this. I have played my wife 13 times. I don't know if you know that. 13 times. Unlucky 13. I have beat her zero. And she has beat me by an average of 87 points every time. I'm a very competitive person, and it's very irritating to me. If you ever want to get destroyed at Scrabble by more than 87 points, download the app, find Rick Cope on there, and believe it or not, he will destroy you in a spelling contest. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know if he just reads has an audio version of a dictionary as he's driving around the country in that tractor trailer. But man, Scrabble is one of those games that we've been playing a lot, and I've enjoyed it because it's got my mind going, and it's got my vocabulary growing, and words are king in Scrabble. Words are king. It's all about what words you can spell, how long the word is, how many points the words are. But the truth of the matter is, not only are words king in Scrabble, to be honest with you, words are king in the real world. Words are powerful. I said this before from this stage, the biggest lie we tell our children is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Here's the deal with broken bones and sticks and bones or whatever the saying is. Broken bones heal. The wounds that come from words or the uplifting that comes from words will stay with us for years. I can't tell you how many adults I've met with in life whose lives are a shamble and they can chase those words all the way back to a dad or a mom saying something to them during their childhood. Man, there's power in words. Yet we throw words out so haphazardly. We get angry and think we can say whatever we want to say. We think we can do whatever we want to do. We can call somebody whatever we want to call them. And we think there's no repercussions for those things. I jinxed our house this week when I decided to preach on this subject. Because, man, my words have not been good words this week. For the first time, well, Christine would say it's been three months of a funk. I like to say it's been like seven days of a serious funk. Some of the other days said, man, have you enjoyed a day of relaxing? I said, man, I'm three months into relaxing. I'm over it. I'm over it. I've been a little bit on edge. And last night, things boiled over. My wife said, I am tired of the way you're talking to me. Not tired that I was in a funk. 
Not tired that I was feeling purposeless. Not tired that I'm frustrated with some things going on. Understood all those things. But all those things, she was making it very clear. Don't give me a license to use my words the way I've been using them. So like any good man, I argued with her all night long. I did not accept what she said. I had an excuse for everything she said. I had a reason for why I did everything. And I pulled the ultimate dude move. Have you ever done this? You twist it around, you try to put it back on them. That doesn't work. FYI, guys, I'll preach on that one day. We kind of resolved things before bed. There was still a little bit of tension, but we didn't go to bed mad. I woke up this morning, and when you go to bed angry, you wake up. Yeah. And I'm laying there this morning, and she's snoring, sleeping. And I'm like, man, I can be prideful, and I can keep this going. Or I can own up to and say, you know what, you're right. I'm sorry. And instead of her accepting that apology and just saying, I get it, she had to reiterate everything from the night before, and that's cool. So then I had to make another decision. Do I say words again and get defensive, or do I listen? And I decided, man, it does not, it's very rare that I'm smart. I listened. I acknowledged. And I spoke words. Words are powerful. Words are uplifting, and words are destroying. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Bible says in the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. The teachings of God became flesh in the human form of Jesus. When God looked out into the vast nothing, he spoke words and spoke everything into existence. There's power in words. The Bible says this in Proverbs 11. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. But I think about that. The tongue has the power to bring life to somebody or it has the power to bring death to somebody. The most powerful part of our body, hands down, is one of the smallest. It's our tongue. We can build people up or we can tear people down. We can exhort people to greatness or we can tear them down to failure. The Bible says there's power of life and death. Those are two powerful words that God chose to use. Our words, they give life to people or they give death to people. I would go so far to say that if you want to change your life, change the words that you speak. That, that was a good place. Hey, white church, that was a good place for you to amen. If you want to change your life, change your words. Because there's power in words. I love how James says it in the book of James. And if you're not a churchy person, you might not know who James is. James was the half-brother of Jesus. I've even heard it said from theologians that if there was ever proof that Jesus truly was the Son of God, it was James. Here's why. Imagine how many of you have a brother. How many of you have a sister? Imagine your brother or your sister coming to you, telling you that they're the Messiah, the Son of God, and you believing them. You'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yet James knew who Jesus was. And here's what he said about our words, about the power of our mouth. Look what he says in James 3. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. He said, you just put a simple bit in a horse's mouth and you can direct the, the direction of that horse. 
He said, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and so driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. He says, likewise. So just like the bit in a horse and just like the rudder on a ship, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. How many times have we seen out west thousands upon thousands upon thousands of acres of forest go down in flames and someone says it started from a spark from someone throwing a cigarette out the window. It started from a spark from a campfire. He's saying, hey, your tongue, though it is small, is so powerful. There's power in words. There's life in words. And there's death in words. Yet we're so haphazard with our words. We say whatever we think we want to say, no matter the outcome of those words. We say whatever pops into our head and we don't care about who it hurts or how it comes across. We don't think before we speak and we do damage with our words. <laughs> There's power in the tongue. Our words had the ability to motivate people and they had the ability to tear people down. Our, our, our words have the ability to help people push through to their dreams. Our words have the ability to crush people's dreams. For example, show me a marriage that's struggling, and, and I guarantee you I'll show you a marriage that has life-taking words in it. On the other hand, show me a marriage that is thriving, and I'll show you a marriage that has life giving words in it. There's power in words. There's power in the tongue. Look at the people in your life. Look at the ones you enjoy being around and look at the ones you don't enjoy being around. Mark my words. At the root of the issue, whether you like to be around someone or you dislike to be around someone, it goes back to their words. The ones that you don't like to be around, you might have a thousand reasons why you don't like being around them, but at the root of those issues is they speak life-taking words. They're always negative. They're always pessimistic. They're always Debbie Downer. They never have anything good to say. They never have anything uplifting to say. They're miserable in life. And what does misery love? Misery loves company. And they drain you. They wear you out. I've been living this in my own life lately, man. My words have been words of negativity because I'm frustrated with some things and they know to where they impact everyone else. We live by this lie that our actions only affect us so they affect everyone around us. Now think about the people you enjoy being around. Why do you enjoy being around them? Their words make you laugh. Their words lift you up. Their words remind you that you can do something powerful. I'm here to tell you today there's power in words. There's power in the words that we choose. When I'm playing Scrabble, I'm always looking for the triple word or the double word, the triple letter score. I'm always looking at how I can layer on top because I want the most points because there's power. I can play one word on a triple space and get three times the points that I play the same word on a non-triple space. Our words in real life are the difference between winning in life and losing in life. As our mind goes, so many times our words go. And our words begin to affect us. I've never counseled a couple going through a divorce where they looked at me and said, man, I just don't want to be married to him anymore. But he's a great guy, talks great to me, builds me up, tells me how wonderful I am, makes me feel super important. I'm just over him. Yet I've had people in my office, and they're like, I love him. And I wanted to spend the, my life with him. 
but I can't deal with him anymore. I can't deal with the negativity anymore. I can't deal with him taking his anger out on me. I can't deal with the tearing me down. Listen, you know something? Oh, I'm going to regret this. How many times have you ever seen the hot chick, by our standards, with the kind of frumpy, nerdy guy, and you don't understand it? I'm going to tell you why. The hot chick's already been with the douchebag. She's already been with the one that all the other women thought was attractive. That had it all together. And that guy treated her like crap. And spoke words into her that tore her down. And it's amazing as she matured past that, the external wasn't so important anymore. And the internal was what was important. It's amazing as we get older... What's important to us? The Bible says, when I was a babe, I thought as a babe. As I got older, I thought older ways. I have had to learn that my sex symbolism is not enough to keep Christine anymore. (laughs) So I have to speak positive words. You would think it'd be enough, but it's not. <laughs> Life or death and words. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs. Man, the Bible says so much about words. The words of the reckless, the hothead, the loose cannon, the guy who runs on emotions. Let's not just beat up on the guys. The hot-headed chick, the chick who thinks she can say whatever. It goes both ways. We want to be equal in our calling of people out around here. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's powerful. Like that's I'd be taking my phone out if I was you right now and snapping a picture of that. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Anybody ever been stabbed with a knife or a sword? I have not. But I have been stabbed with a shot before. And I use the word stabbed because that's what it felt like. It's horrible. I have to get a shot right now. It's how big, babe? An inch long? It's horrible. I've been getting this shot twice a week now for probably six months. You'd think I'd be used to it. I'm not. I have to get the shot today, and all I can think about is the fact that the shot's going to hurt. I'm a wuss like that. Couldn't imagine getting stabbed with a knife. The Bible says the words of the reckless pierce like a sword does. The tongues of the wise bring healing. There's healing power in our words. There's calmness in our words. We see it on social media. Craziness going on in our society. And yet very few wise people bringing healing with their words. But every Tom, Dick, and Harry behind a keyboard, living in mama's basement, can shoot off their words like they're Billy Bade and those words pierce. Man, we underestimate our words. Proverbs 15 says this. Ain't it funny? Man, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. For those of you who don't know, Proverbs is where Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, is passing wisdom down to his son. And it's just verse after verse after verse of wisdom. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You want to start reading your Bible every day? Go read the chapter in Proverbs that lines up with the day of the month. It'll change your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, it says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. But the perverse tongue, that's not talking about sexually perverse. 
It's talking about just a person looking to sow discord all the time. Crushes the spirit. The soothing tongue brings a tree of life. It blossoms and it blooms in your life. You ever want to know know what kind of tree is going to come or what kind of fruit is going to come? Look at the root. An apple root has never grown a peach, and a peach root has never grown an apple. So the soothing tongue is the root to the tree of life. But that chaotic tongue, that tearing down tongue, it, it literally destroys and it crushes the spirit. I'm here to tell you today, we need to get it through our head that what comes out of this mouth can literally change the world. There's power in the tongue. There's power in our mouth. There isn't a person here today who hasn't been crushed by life-taking words. It it can be something so meaningless. How about this life-taking word? Did you mean to do that to your hair? And you're 40 years old. Why aren't you married yet? Small things rip our soul out. Or more powerful things. I can't stand you. I hate you. You ever have those things that are etched in your mind forever? I remember being 15 years old. And looking at my mom and saying, I hate you. Probably every kid here did that at one time or another. And I remember the look of crush on my mother's face. I can go back in another relationship and remember doing that and seeing the hurt on that person when I said it. And I think about it all the time. There's power in our words. You're pathetic. I've heard parents look at their children and say, I wish I never would have had you. Are you stupid? Life-taking words. Life-taking words pierce. They get etched in our head and we remember them forever. On the other hand, though, man, how about this? Man, I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. Man, I love you. There's just power in those words. I'd marry you all over again. You don't think that builds somebody up? You don't think that lifts somebody up? You're, you, you, you're my dream come true. Looking at your kids as they're struggling with life. And, man, can you imagine being a teenager in this society? Can you imagine if we'd have had social media growing up? Can you imagine if we'd have had text messaging growing up? I'm really dating myself now. Only so many bad things can come through the pager. <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong now. I could do some dirty stuff through the pager. But you can always play that off. I remember just numbers. You're reading it wrong, pervert. Man, couldn't imagine being a teenager. I've made it a point, no matter what my children go through or what they come to me with, they'll never hear anything. And I, I, I'm not good at much, but I can say we've been good at this. Cool, how can I go with it through you? Hey, I don't care what you do, I still love you. You know, the amazing thing is I don't got to like all the decisions my kids make to love my kids. And I don't always got to let them know I don't like the decisions they make. Or sometimes they just got to figure it out on their own. There's power in words. 
Life-taking words pierce. And life-giving words heal. So I want to give you a couple of things we're going to do with our words today. And we're going to get out of here. It's going to be short. My sermons are probably either going to be really long coming up or they're going to be really short because I've got to where I'm so blind I can't read my notes so I just don't have any notes. I literally just have like the points and the verses so they could rabbit trail all over. All right, we could just be real short. I'm hungry today, so I'm hoping they're going to be real short. First thing we're going to do is we're going to avoid toxic words from others. We're going to avoid toxic words from others. Let me make this very clear to you. You can't control what other people say. But you can control what you listen to. The Bible says this. This is Solomon talking to his son. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Above all else, he says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. He said, listen, what I'm telling you, and here's what I'm telling you, son. Only you can protect your heart. And it's so vital to protect your heart because as your heart goes, you go. It's the wellspring of life. <laughs> We've got to do whatever it takes in our life to avoid life-taking words. And that's hard. We can't always avoid them because, again, we have no control over what other people say. But we can learn to guard our hearts against them. I keep it real with you. I keep it real when everything's great, and I keep it real when everything's not so great. So last night, my wife and I are discussing things very intently. Anybody ever discuss things very intently with their spouse? And in my frustration, not at her, but certain words would come out. Blah, 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 blah. Shh. No, like I'd emphasize it. She kept irritating me because she kept saying, you're not going to cuss at me. I said, I'm not cussing at you. I'm just cussing. <laughs> she said, you're not going to cuss when you're talking to me during this conversation. Guess what she was doing? She was not allowing toxic words into her life. Guess what it did to me? It made me more angry. Because she was right. And again, I pulled that old tactic spinning around on her. You're just trying to sidetrack the issue. Why don't we rabbit trail down every issue? We don't got to rabbit trail down the issue. Quit cussing. She was protecting her heart. She was deciding what she was going to allow in and what she was not going to allow in. At the end of the day, she can't stop me from saying whatever I want to say. But she said, I'll just leave the room. I'm not having this discussion with you. There's power in words. And we decide what we allow. Some of you allow your spouse to talk to you in a way that's pitiful. What about the, what they're saying? We'll get to them, don't worry. But I'm talking about you today. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. And here's the sad thing. Not only are you taking it verbally, you're showing your kids what's acceptable to take verbally. Hello. Then you wonder why your kid becomes a teenager and ends up with a scumbag because you allowed your husband or your wife to be a scumbag to you. You set the standard in their life. Not going to be a lot of amens today. I'm okay with that. Stand close, preacher. We love to amen when it doesn't convict us. We get real quiet. I used to thrive on amens. Now I, like, I thrive on silence because I know it's hitting home. When I was ordained, the way ordination worked in the 
the group that I came up with is it was a Sunday night and you had to get there about two or three o'clock and you walked into a room with about 20 other pastors and for three or four hours they would drill you theologically on questions. What do you think about this and what do you think about this and what do you think the Bible says about this? Then you would preach a sermon in front of the church and the church would then have people who got up and were allowed to ask you questions in front of everyone. Afterwards, they would convene and they would vote on whether or not you were called of God to be ordained. I walked into this room after all this had been done and they said, we've decided to ordain you. But you need to know something. It was not unanimous. I said, okay. And they said, the one who voted against you wants to tell you why he voted against you. And I remember sitting there, and he looked at me and he said, I just don't think you have what it takes to be a pastor. He said, you don't know how to carry yourself on a stage. You don't know how to put an outline together. He said, I really think you need to question whether or not you're called to preach because it's obvious to me you're not. Very encouraging words. And those words shook me. Because ain't it funny? We focus on the toxic words. I didn't focus on the 19. I'm going to screw this up. I'm not a mathematician, but a 19 out of 20, isn't that 95%? Is it? Does that sound right? We're going to say it's 95% in Geary math. 95%. Boom. You know what my parents would have done if I was in school and brought home a 95? We'd have thrown a party. They wouldn't have known what to do. I scored a 95 on my ordination. And for weeks, focused on the one thought about it all the time, questioned it all the time, couldn't understand it all the time. And it's one of the only times in my life, and I don't want to be real kooky here, I'm not saying God opened up the heavens and spoke to me in an audible voice. It's not what I'm saying. But it was one of the times in my life, and if you've ever had this happen, you know what I'm talking to. Clear as day, I remember God telling me, I called you, not him. I went to a camp meeting. If you don't know what camp meeting is, camp meeting is when they throw up a tent and all these preachers get together and they preach and all you, it's, 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 it's horrible. <laughs> but I went to camp meeting and this preacher preached and they called the next preacher up and it was me. And I'll never forget preaching that old man under the table. Got a standing ovation when I got done preaching and I was a little bit arrogant. I was 19 time. I remember closing my Bible, walking off stage and throwing it in his lap and saying, there you go. And I walked out of the building. You say, you shouldn't have done that. Well, I just decided I'm going to avoid toxic words. You decide what you allow in your life or not in your life. You are not what others say you are. Don't allow somebody else's insecurities or somebody else's flaws or somebody else's personal issues to dictate and manifest and throw themselves on you. You're better than that. You deserve better than that. And you set the standard for that. You'll never be good enough for some people, but you were created in the image of God. Ah, but you failed along the way. Are you kidding me? This book is full of people who screwed up along the way. There's murderers in this book and drunks in this book and adulterers in this book and crazy folks in this book and IRS people in this book. This book is full of messed up people that God chose to use. You don't listen to the toxic words. You avoid the words from others because you are in control of what comes in your ear canal and you're in control of what you listen to. And make no mistake about it, what you listen to will dictate the trajectory of your life. There's power in words. 
So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to avoid toxic words from people. Can I tell you an awesome feature that would help a lot of you? Ready for this? I'm going to change your life right here. I'm talking about something that's so revolutionary that you've never even thought about it. Actually, you've thought about it all the time, but no one's ever given you permission. Did you know that on every social media outlet, there's an amazing feature called block? My wife and I have fought over that in the past. You blocked so-and-so? Why? Why would you do that? Now, I'm going to deal. She has a right to block whoever she wants to block that she feels is going to be a negative impact in her life. Can I tell you a little secret? Let me look around the room. There's at least one of you, maybe two, I don't know if the other one's here, that attend this church every week. And I love you. But I blocked you a long time ago. Now everybody go check you. You might not even have known it. Because your whining got on my nerves. Your negativity got on my nerves. Your constant complaining got on my nerves. Your constant asking for advice, knowing you weren't going to do anything with it, but waste my time got on my nerves. You say, that's not very passionate. Like, no, you were toxic to me. And you don't get to determine whether you're toxic to me or not. So I decided I'm going to avoid you. Boop. That doesn't mean I won't be there for you. Doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean I wouldn't drop everything to be your pastor and I am your pastor and count the honor of my life. But here's the deal. You brought me down, so I blocked you. And guess what? It was incredible. (laughs) Some of you ought to try that. Second thing we're going to do. We're going to speak life-giving words every chance we get. We're going to become hope dealers. We're going to become uplifters. We're going to build people up because anybody can tear them down. It's easy to tear somebody down. But I don't agree with them. No joke. You've made it obvious. But your words aren't going to change who they are, especially your negative words. But I wonder what would happen if we came along and said, man, I believe in you. I'm there for you. You know one thing I've been trying to work on when it comes to a lot of stuff I disagree with on social media is stepping back, breathing, putting myself in that person's shoes and at least attempting to see it from their point of view. Never once has that changed my opinion. But it's changed my heart towards them. It's changed my demeanor towards them. It allows me the opportunity to build them up. The Bible says this in Ephesians for do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit who? Those who listen. Not where it benefits you, you self-centered, think it's all about you person. We're to build others up according to whose needs? Their needs. I got to read that one again. There's so much truth in there, especially for king of selfishness. Think the world revolves around me. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only let come out of your mouth what is helpful for building others up. When was the last time you built somebody up? When was the last time you built somebody up according to their needs? 
my wife and I have a person in our life and about six months ago, I said, I need to go talk to that person. I can get through to them. And she looked at me and she said, no, you can't. Not the way you're going to go about it. And she was right. Because I wanted to come and be like, bam, 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 bam. And you're this and you're an idiot. And get it together. But the truth of the matter, that person probably already knows they're all those things. They're feeling it deep subconsciously. And if they could get it together on their own, they'd get it together on their own. But what would happen if I came along and began to build them up? According to whose needs? Their needs. Their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. When was the last time you went through the checkout line at the grocery store and just encouraged the person running the cash register? Guess what? They make $8 an hour. They didn't put the, the uh, policy in place that made you wear that mask. So you taking your frustration out on them makes you look like an ignorant idiot. Went out to eat the other day and heard a guy getting mad at the waitress because she couldn't refill his cup. She had to bring him a new cup. Guess what? That ain't her policy. I'm sure she'd rather walk around with a pitcher and fill your cup. It'd be a whole lot easier. Man, we're so self-centered. We just feel like we have to complain. I went to the doctor this week. And I walked in, it's the first time I've had to be anywhere and wear a mask. I had to go back out to my car, get a mask, put the mask on, come back in. And when I came back in, this dude was giving the lady at the little computer the riot act. And I was thinking, what good is that doing? I got up there, it was my turn. I said, man, you couldn't pay me to have your job. Hold on, wait. This is the other thing about power words. I said, man, I bet you wish you were still furloughed and not working. She's like, I'm so glad to be working. I was going crazy. She goes, but everyone's not like them. And I said, well, man, I, I think it's cool that you guys are doing all this and blah, blah. He just kind of complimented her. Began to walk away. She said, hey, yeah, aren't you the pastor at Action Church? And I said, yeah. She said, man, I've been to your church a couple of times. Never seen her, didn't recognize her didn't look familiar to me. But what if I'd have been an ass? Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to wear the mask. The mask was itchy and hot, and I started, like, I actually, in my mental, kind of started freaking out a little. I was like, I can't breathe. It was all weird. And I, I just wasn't down with it. I had been out in the parking lot. It was hot. I was feeling, like, can't, like, Big empty waiting room with air conditioning, but you're making me wake out in the parking lot. Like I, I, I could, I, I had to get to a funeral, so man, I was. They were running behind, and I was just in a mood. But none of that was that person's fault. Now I wish I could tell you I do that all the time. I don't. But in that instance, I was able to put myself in someone else's shoes put my heart where they were. Now, that's where I bragged on myself. Now, let me tell you where I didn't do so good this week. I'm on the Stairmaster at the gym. I go to drink my drink, and I choke a little bit on it, and I cough. All of a sudden, I hear something off the side. I've got my headphones on. I look over. I thought the guy was asking me a question. I said, what? Can you cover your effing mouth when you cough? I said, can you not be a jackass when you say it? It got tense. You ain't seen jackass. I can be. I said, no, no, no. Yes, I said it. My famous line, I know this is how I know I'm getting mad. I said, won't you ask around and find out who I am? Because trust me, I'll out jackass you any day of the week. Dude, I, I, I caught myself getting mad. I caught myself getting flared up. Poor little guy on the next treadmill behind. He was like shaking. He's trying to hit the button to stop it, get off the machine. Like it got tense. So I'm just telling you, I don't always build people up. 
Obviously, I look like a, a disease-infected person. I could have put myself in that guy's shoes and realized that, that he was a snowflake and was freaking out over someone coughing over their drink and got past him and put myself in his shoes, but I didn't. So I'm not trying to say I always do it right. Matter of fact, I'll even take it to another level. The next day, I show up at the gym. I go to the Stairmaster, and there he is. He didn't say a word to me. I could have got on my Stairmaster. But I walked by and said, I wonder who's going to be the biggest asshole today. <laughs> he was the bigger person. I didn't tell you. I, uh, I forgot to tell you I said that. He was the bigger person and ignored it. So I'm not telling you I always do what's right. But we need to speak life giving words. If there was ever a time that we needed to be speaking life-giving words to people, it's in this day and time. Hey, it's going to be okay. Hey, we're in this together. Hey, I know it's so cliche right now and everybody, it, because it's weird, but there is power in the words of saying, I do see you. I do hear you. I, I don't understand what you're dealing with because I'm not in that situation and, and I get it. And there's power in saying, I, I, I see you without saying, but that doesn't make this right. Just tell them, I see you. Whatever they're dealing with. There's life-giving words. There's power in building someone up. There's power in being excited for someone else as they're going through this journey in life. And man, we get through it by building people up. We love when people build us up, but man, we're so leery. To be, we, have to, we have to compliment with a stipulation. And we just create havoc. You know what I've learned is I can see everybody's point of view. Isn't it amazing? I can empathize with this group and this group and this group. Because I put myself in their shoes and there's power in life-giving words. You know what I did this week? I went and counted it right for the service. And I, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just telling you what I did. I went to 37 African-American friends that I have on Facebook and sent every one of them messages. How you doing? How you holding up? Hey, man, I just want you to know I love you. Some of them turned into long dialogue. Some said, but, but you know what else I did this week? I counted it up. I went to 16 different people on my Facebook page that I know that are police officers. I said, man, how you doing? Man, I want you to know thank you for everything you do. I want you to know I love you. Man, I appreciate you. Ain't it funny you can do it to both? We live in this day and time where you got to choose sides. Let me tell you something. I ain't choosing sides. And if you expect me to, you're going to be gravely disappointed. I'm just going to build people up. I'm going to speak life, giving words when I can. There's power in life-giving words. Last of all, I'm done, and we're going to get out of here. This one's the hardest. We're going to learn to speak life-giving words to ourselves and our circumstances. You know who our biggest critics are? Ourselves. You know who the biggest people in our life that tear us down? It's ourselves. Bible says this, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. There's power in what you say and what you believe. I say, man, we can tell the mountain to go throw itself into the sea. Then how much more can we tell ourselves, man, you're great. You're going to rock this day. You deserve happiness. Man, you're killing it. Man, you are doing what you are doing. Bible says you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned." We condemn ourselves. We identify ourselves by our failures. 
We identify ourselves by our mess-ups. We identify ourselves by our past. I've shared with you before, it's my, I, we have AA meetings here all the time. I think AA is a powerful thing for a lot of people. But my biggest issue with AA is this. I'm Gary, and I'm an alcoholic. That, I'm not trying to dog on AA so nobody gets their panties in a wad. But when you keep convincing yourself you're something you're not anymore, then you're never going to move past being that. There's power in your words. I'm Gary, I'm a con artist. I'm Gary, I'm a liar. I'm Gary, I'm a thief. I'm Gary, I'm a junkie. I'm, no, no, no. I'm Gary. And you might not like it, but I'm a child of God. When you start seeing yourself the way God sees you, it's powerful. You can't depend on other people to build you up. You've got to speak truth into your own life. It sounds so dumb, and I'm not saying we ought to get up every morning and look in the mirror and be like, I'm Gary, and I'm good, and I'm great, and I'm... It's not what I'm saying. But we need to remind ourselves just how amazing we are. There's not a person here today that's not amazing in some way. There's not a person here today that doesn't have a vision and a mission from God. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make screw-ups. He told Jeremiah, he said, in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I set you apart for greatness. I'm here to tell you today, you were created for greatness. There's nothing you can't accomplish if you simply believe. I, the older I get, the more I believe in the power of the mind and positivity. For so long, the church was anti because they thought it was contrary to the Bible. No, the Bible's full of what, what enters in here comes out here. What enters in here comes out here. We're going to learn to speak life-giving words to ourselves. If no one else is speaking life-giving words to you, you're going to speak them to yourself. Because those other people don't know you like you know yourself. We're going to avoid toxic words. We're going to avoid those people. We're going to speak life-giving words every chance we get to others. And we're going to speak life-giving words to ourselves. Why? Because the Bible says the power of life or death is in the tongue. As we play that scrabble game of life, we're going to use words that build up. How many people out here have some kind of construction knowledge? Raise your hand, raise your hand, I don't care. Guess what, I have none. None. You've heard me tell the story before when I met Christine. I had two tools. I didn't even know what they were called. I didn't even know they were called a flathead and a Phillips head. I thought they were called a plus and a minus. I got a plus screwdriver and a minus screwdriver. I had no clue. That's not a preacher tale. I didn't know how to fix anything. When we built this building, there's not a thing in this building that's been built that I did. Nothing. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But you know what I knew how to do? I knew how to get that sledgehammer before we started building and tear everything down. I didn't have to have any training to tear stuff up. I didn't have to have any training to destroy stuff. Matter of fact, I don't even know if y'all remember this. There's about 10 of you still here. The first day of destroying this place, I cut a free online. No, first day, was, we were over there. There was a grocery store in here. I hit, we were five minutes into destruction, destroyed the free online, and the grocery store was a Spanish grocery store. went out of business because of it. Because they lost all their fruits and all their vegetables and all their produce because they couldn't cool it. Literally, like three weeks later, they were out of business. Anybody can destroy stuff. It takes something special to build something up. It takes intentionality. It takes making a conscious decision that I'm going to build up and not tear down. Man, we live in a day and time of people tearing down. I don't say this lightly. 
Man, we are on the verge of a civil war in our country. And it might not be over skin color. It might be over political things, or it might be of wealth. Man, we are on the verge of it. That's not me being alarmist. That's not me being a conspiracy person. And one of the biggest problems with it is just the negativity that comes out of our mouths instead of the building up. Avoid toxic words. Build people up when we can to speak truth in our own lives. Let's pray.